Hey friends, welcome back to the Sunning 65 podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Schultz, and today we are joined by Amy Hall. We talk about the Sabbath, authentic community, tools for studying God's word, and so much more. I'm praying that this conversation is such an encouragement to you. Grab some coffee and enjoy. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Maddie. Thanks so much for having me on here. I'm looking forward to this. Amy and I have never officially met in person. Well, we just met (laughs) just now officially, Um, but we were connected by the amazing Carolyn Oaks. But I have been led by you in worship many times, as I just got to tell you when I've gone to Keystone in the past with my parents. She leads worship um, where my parents go to church. So that's fun. It's fun to finally get to meet you and chat with you face to face. So we're just going to jump right in. Can you tell us the quick gist about yourself? Yeah. So um, I was born and raised here in Iowa and I've actually lived here most of my life. I was gone for a couple of years, but um, yeah, born and raised in Iowa. I'm in my fifth year of marriage. So that's still kind of new and we're we're learning how to do that. And we have two littles, um, both boys, one who's two and a half, one who is just a year old turned one yesterday, actually. And um, so that's been really fun. Like we're learning marriage, learning how to parent. And um, that's been just a joy for the last few years. And um, I'm currently on staff here at Keystone Church and have been on staff for a little over three years. Um, started off as actually a worship resident in our SALT company, which is the college ministry here uh, for a couple of years and then transitioned into a full-time role where recently I've been splitting my time between worship, like what you were just talking about, and then the other role I get to play is in our women's ministry. And primarily that looks like equipping women to follow Jesus. And so that's what I've been doing. I'm actually currently in a transition um, from moving out of full-time work into part-time work here, um, okay. just going into that women's ministry role. So I'm really okay. excited. I've done a little bit of everything on staff here at Keystone, it feels like, but I'm really excited for kind of what this next season will bring as far as work is concerned, too. Oh, my goodness. That's so awesome. So you'll yeah. you'll be part-time, so you won't do – you won't be in charge of music as yeah, much Yeah, so as I, much won't, as I won't play a staff role in that. Okay. Um, so, You'll just which get will to be a joy. Like sing. I just get to serve yeah. and go to church with my family and sing and um, to use my gifts in, in a volunteer role, which yeah. I'm really excited about. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. You're, yeah. So two sons, two and a half mm-hmm. and one. Yes. Oh my So goodness. we're very busy. Yeah. That <laughs> is amazing. Right now. You are wearing so many hats <laughs> and it sounds like you're killing it. Okay. Can you tell us about when you came to know and follow Jesus? Yes. And I'll try uh, to keep this a little bit on the shorter no, side. You don't have to. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I love talking about this. Um, so I grew up in a non-Christian home and family. And so um, my parents have been divorced since I was young. And so um, kind of growing up, like neither of my parents ever really went to church regularly, but I was kind of exposed to this idea of God, like my grandma or sometimes my mom would take me to church. And I think it was mostly just this thing that was like a good thing to do, right? Like we're good people. We want to do the right thing. And so I was in and out of church. Um, and I, I heard about God and Jesus from a young age, but it was never really something that my family took seriously or that I thought much about at all. Um, it never really had any significance in my life. And so growing up, you know, I was just kind of this good kid who stayed out of trouble, got good grades and kind of flew under the radar the rest mm-hmm. of the time. And it wasn't until college where I actually um, got invited to a college ministry there. Um, I went to the University of Northern Iowa and there was a college ministry called The River through a local church. And 
it was really through that ministry where God kind of got my attention. Um, and, you know, for me, I wasn't a person that had this aha moment with the gospel. Um, I sometimes envy those who had this like dramatic mm-hmm. moment in their life. But for me, it was just kind of um, this consistently hearing the gospel preached week to week um, when I truly began to understand um, who Jesus is and what he did and why that why that mattered to me, you know, why I was in such desperate need of this Jesus. Um, and so it was just hearing kind of faithful teaching week to week that really helped me understand and accept the gospel. And so I remember it was Good Friday. So actually just about oh, like 11 years ago, it's Good Friday 2012. Wow. Um, where I actually fully surrendered my heart to Jesus. Like I can point to that mm-hmm. moment where it was like that decision. Um, but for me, yeah, God just used that ministry to gradually draw me to himself. And on Good Friday, the pastor taught about, you know, Jesus's words, it is finished. Um, And the significance for us as Christ followers today that because of Jesus's sacrifice on the cross, that me and we too can be finished with the sin and guilt and shame and perfection and all these things that we hold ourselves to that that kind of keep us enslaved. And, um, you know, understanding that the freedom that comes is, um, really what drew me into understanding Jesus's love for me and how desperate I am when I try to get, escape those things in my own flesh, but that Jesus is really the only true answer. And so, mm. you know, I'm, I'm forever grateful for what that ministry did for me, but you know, it, it's just this beautiful thing where Jesus kind of grabbed hold of my heart and was gracious enough to give me this like gradual understanding and then bring it together in a way that was really, really easy and obvious for me to understand like, wow, I I need Jesus. I can't do this on my own. Wow. You said you've been in, you've been at Keystone for three years, but you were in a residency before that. When did you like decide to do a residency or when did God lead your heart into wanting to be in full-time vocational ministry? (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of an interesting question because like, so right after I got saved, um, I started volunteering in worship for that college ministry because it was like, man, I love music. I love singing. Mm. Um, I was actually studying music education at UNI at the time. And, um, and then I got saved and started volunteering on worship team. And I had this realization of like, oh, I love music, but I don't want to teach music. I actually would <laughs> love to be able to do worship full time. And, um, you know, as a as a female, I was just kind of like, I don't think that's really a career path for me. Like, Hmm. I don't think that churches hire female worship staff. Like I don't, hmm. I don't foresee that ever happening. And so like, I kind of had that dream in college, um, but I just kind of shoved it to the side. I never thought that would be a reality for me. Um, and so I just started, you know, I, I volunteered in worship teams and whatever church I was at. And so like during college, it was that church where I was going with the college ministry. But then ever since college, I was just, volunteering in worship teams um, for a couple different churches that I've been at Harvest Bible Chapel before Keystone. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of always that little like thing in the back of my mind where it was like, that would still be so cool. And um, I started coming to Keystone in 2017 and worship team. Oh no, that was before Um, two years, a couple years before. Yeah. It was like right around the time we actually became an autonomous church. Okay, So it had been planted. We got our new, well, the new, the old new building. Right. And then, um, yeah, so 2017, I started coming here and then got involved on worship team after I was kind of plugged into the church. And I remember having a conversation um, with some of our staffers and they're like, 
man, if you could do anything with your life, what would it be? Right. And it was just kind of this fun conversation. And I looked right at them and I was like, I would be a worship leader on staff here at this church. And we all kind of laughed about it because we didn't need one at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, There was no like staff position open for that, but that actually planted a seed that, um, you know, unbeknownst to me, God was doing something through that conversation, Mm -hmm. of course. And um, our salt company had a need for somebody to come on in a, in a worship resident capacity and so what that would look like is working full-time for Salt Company, um, but it also it required doing a two-year master's program. Cool. And um, yeah, it, it should sound really cool, but for me, school was like, absolutely not. So they were like <laughs> asking me if I'd ever be interested oh. in this type of position. And I was like, yeah. no, no way. I don't want to do school. Mm. Like I just got married. We want to have kids. Um I don't want to do full-time work and school and a newborn with, by the way, resident doesn't pay a lot. And so like these things didn't compute in my mind. So anyway, I had said no to that actually originally. Um, And I just started volunteering as the worship leader for Salt Company. You know, they were kind of like, well, if you won't come on staff, will you still just lead worship for us while we're trying to find somebody? And I was like, that I will do. I would love to do that. And so for about a semester or maybe a little bit longer. It was the kind of the summer and fall of 2019. I just started volunteering. Um, but I would come home from Salt Company every Thursday night. And mind you, this is like college ministry. So I'm getting home at like yeah. 12, 1230 yeah. in the morning, you know, and I'm waking my husband up and I'm saying, listen to what God did. Listen about this student and this student and cool. this student. And so I was just rattling on and on about what God was doing through salt company. And I would say things like, I just wish that I could do this for my job. And he's like, wait, didn't they offer you that job? And I said, yeah. (laughs) Um, And so just through a lot of prayer and conversation Mm -hmm. with my husband and kind of just dying to myself in a lot of ways, um, just being like, okay, well, in humility, I'm going to go back to him and say, actually, I said no to this, but could I, could I still say Mm -hmm. yes? Like, would you still think about hiring me? And so, you know, it was just through that, through that, um, really God kind of showed me like, why are you saying no to something that I, that I'm saying yes to, you know, like God's, hmm. God's saying you had this belief that this wasn't a path for you, but here I am trying to pull hmm. you into it and you're still saying no to me. And so I think that was one of the times where, you know, I've kind of learned what obedience to the Lord looks like is like, yeah. man, sometimes I have unbelief in what he could do. And it's because yeah. of, you know, these lies I believe and. Um, that's one of the times in my life where I've kind of learned that and learned what it means to be obedient and to just trust God and say, I don't know what this yeah. is going to look like. And, um, so it was kind of like a, I hope I answered your no, question. I just kind of went off a little bit no, there. You but. did. And I love how like God even gave you the boldness to say to them when they asked, you're like, oh, this is my dream. Like, I feel like in the last couple months I'd heard on a podcast or somewhere of like, um, a gal was basically saying uh, she had hosted these like a, a conference or something and and her friends would a, a friend of hers would come to her after saying, oh, like I was a little hurt you didn't ask me to do XYZ or serve in mm-hmm. XYZ way. And she's like, oh, I, I simply didn't know if I would have mm-hmm. like known you liked that. Not that it's as easy as you just saying, I want to be a worship leader. And they just <laughs> sure. like, great, you said it. But like obviously God orchestrating that too, but also working through your boldness to say, oh, this actually is the dream he's put in my heart. And then so mm-hmm. cool that he's the one that emboldened you to say that and he's working <laughs> yeah. in the background yeah, and absolutely. doing that. So that's really encouraging. Okay, would you be willing to tell us about a season of suffering and how you saw the Lord show up in it? Yes. So um, yeah, I'll just kind of talk honestly. So, you know, yeah. you sent me some of these questions to think yeah. through ahead of time. And 
as I started to kind of think about this question, um, I've had people ask me this before, and I always kind of start to feel a little bit guilty. And it's because like, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I've honestly been through this season of like deep suffering in the sense of what we, we think this word has to mean, or like, I'm always comparing, you know, my life to somebody that I know who's walked through something that seems so much more difficult or so much more significant, you know? And so I always, I always feel a little guilty thinking about this, but then also like, man, what a blessing it's been from the Lord that I haven't had to walk through something so dark, you know, but Um, so all of that to say, I'm going to give my example, knowing that it's different, you know, it's different for each of us. Um, yeah, as I kind of think through suffering in my life, um, the thing that really came to my mind is this season in my life, um, which was about seven months or so in duration. It was a few years back. Um, I was actually coming out of this kind of time in my life where I had actually not been following Jesus wholeheartedly. Like it was Mm. post salvation. But, um, you know, there was this, this time in my life where, um, I moved away from home after college and it was just for me, this sort of like slow, gradual walk away from Jesus. And Mm -hmm. at first it was sort of just by like negligence or accident where like, I thought I was sure. And then, you know, I just slowly started to kind of wander away, but then that actually turned into, um, the season where I was just making decisions to live for the world, um, that I knew, I knew in my mind, I knew in my heart that it was contrary to, you know, what Jesus teaches in the Bible. I knew that I was going against what I said I believed and claimed. Um, and eventually I just like kind of didn't care to be honest. Like I just was living for the world and living for my flesh. And, um, this went on for like a year and a half before I kind of got, caught up in this like moment of conviction. And it was through a friend um, who knew me from college, who knew me when I was following Jesus. Mm. They just reached out to me out of the blue. And um, I remember through a conversation with them, just being so caught up, um, realizing how far I had wandered from the Lord. Like all these things they were saying about me, what they remembered about me. I just was like, man, I am not Mm. that person. Um, and wow. it, it just caused me, like, I remember it in a minute, just falling to my knees and knowing mm. how badly I needed to confess mm. of all the sin in my life and, mm. and that I needed to repent. But I knew like, man, repenting, turning away from all these things is going to require like great sacrifice and hard things. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it kind of sent me into this next, you know, six months or so where, um, you know, I had to learn how to untangle the sin in my life. I had mm. to, I had to really um, make some hard decisions to follow Jesus. Um, just to kind of, without getting into all of the details, yeah. like I was um, dating and living with an unbeliever in a place that was mm. far from home with no Christian community or really any community for that mm. matter. Like the friends I did have were just um, kind of on the party scene drinking and things like yeah. that. And so you know, when I, when I realized how far I had wandered, wandered from the Lord and that I needed and wanted to follow Jesus with my life, it, it would require this complete gutting of the life mm. that I had been building. Um, that literally everything around me, if I was going to pull this one cord, everything around me would have to come crumbling mm. down and I would be left, you know, kind of in this ruin that I had made my life. And so, mm. um, you know, it was, it was, probably doing that, like saying the words out loud, like, no, I'm going to follow Jesus. Like 
it was, it probably mm. led me into one of the most difficult, most lonely, um, darkest seasons of my life where I mm. felt completely alone. Um, but it was also that season in my life where, you know, I was really challenged uh, and had to learn that I had to put Jesus first. And it was every decision I made mm. that had to put Jesus first. And so I had to be willing to say, like, I am going to follow Jesus mm. above anything else, above any comfort, above anything emotionally that I feel or any, you know, complicated thing that comes from this. Like, I, I am going to follow Jesus. And, you know, that's kind of what kept me going. Like every every time I had to be confronted with, um, with something from that life. Like I just was like, yep. And now I'm going to follow Jesus. And there was a lot of persecution, a lot of people who made fun of me and a lot of people who didn't understand. And, mm. you know, I didn't have the the godly community around me. And so all I had was, you know, Jesus in my Bible and, yeah. and, you know, that's enough. And, um, so I think, yeah, just like walking through that probably six or nine months of just total mm. isolation and, um, you know, it was my own doing, which is, which is crazy, but, mm. God was so gracious in that season to just help me to to know him more and understand his love in a deeper, more intimate way, because it's truly um, the only thing I knew to run to and to cling to. And like, I didn't have anything else to run to in that season. Mm. And so I learned to pray more and I learned to pray more sincerely and more honestly. And, um, you know, it's the season of my life where I learned the importance of having a real, authentic, godly community Mm-hmm. Um, the importance of spending time in the Bible each day and building kind of my whole life on this solid foundation of Jesus versus, you know, all these things I had kind of been chasing. And so mm-hmm. for me, that's kind of what suffering has looked like yeah. is, you know, just seeing the, the the effects and the cost of sin in my life in a real way where it was like, oh man, like life without Jesus mm-hmm. is broken. It is painful. It is It is all those things. And so um, yeah, that, that's kind of been yeah. for me, what a season of suffering has really looked like. Yeah. Uh, two, I have two questions. One, when you said that you're, you had a friend that was reminding you and kind of brought conviction and reminding you who you were in college, um, did they like, did that friend explicitly kind of like say that they saw you living in sin or was it more like, talking with them made you remember when you were following Jesus. <laughs> so, you don't have to share like it explicitly. No, but just, I was just it's, wondering. A, it's a great question. And I see why you're asking it. Um, it's, it's actually, this is totally God working in my life because it's actually somebody I hadn't talked to mm-hmm. in almost four and a half years. Um, and I mean, this is a whole nother story that I'm not going to yeah. get into. It's actually my husband now is the person who reached out to me, no which way. is a whole long story about, yeah, oh all these goodness. things. So we we had dated in college. We broke up um, after okay. only a couple months. So it wasn't like a really okay. serious com- uh, dating relationship. But um, some of the reasons that we broke up were really hurtful to me, and so I kind of like okay. cut him out of my yeah. life. And um, it was actually him who reached out to me completely out of the blue. We hadn't spoken for over four and a half wow. years, um, and he just reached out to me and he said, "Hey, like." I just want to send you a letter. Can I have your address? Like, that's the message that I got. And it was like, okay, I don't know what this is going to be for or about, but sure. I gave him my address and he wrote me this letter. Um, and, and like in that letter, um, were just some of these affirmations about, um, kind of what he had seen in me during college Mm -hmm. that, um, he really thought were beautiful qualities and, 
just like my love for Jesus and the way that I wanted to live my life for him. And so I was like reading these words Mm. on the page, looking at my life that was completely different than that, where I was just broken. Wow. And so, you know, it was just like his faithfulness, like this prompting from the spirit. Um, And then, you know, God totally using that in a way where like he had no idea where I was in life and like we hadn't yeah. spoken, he had no idea. And yeah. so, um, that was definitely a, a time in my life where like God has used something that's so wow. crazy, um, to dramatically, you know, change my life. Um, yeah. That's so yeah. cool. Looking <laughs> so back. So there's more to that story. No, <laughs> I believe it. I wish I could. I mean, that's wild. I mean, okay. Okay. God, we yeah. see you. We see you. Okay. Looking, looking back at it now, probably when you're in it, it's hard to see or feel this or see this, but do you feel like there was one thing or a few things that then ushered in this season of, of walking away from God in a sense, like looking back now, can, is it, are you able to pinpoint a few things where you're like, oh, well, I wasn't involved in community or, oh, I started dating an unbelieving guy or maybe all of the above or I'm you you answer I'm not, I'm not gonna answer for you yeah no I mean I think those are two of the big ones right like I wasn't I definitely wasn't in community so I had moved away from home to a place where I didn't know anybody um I didn't I didn't find a church right away like I looked for a little bit but then I just became lazy honestly is the thing like you know I didn't find a church right away and I was like oh I'm good I didn't plan on living there for very long mm. and so I was like oh I'll be fine I'll go back home and it was all these just like justifications yes. of things in my life like you know it's fine I still have my friends back home that I can text or call or whatever I'll keep reading my bible I don't need to go to church um mm. just like talking myself into this yeah. headspace where it was like well then I didn't go to church I eventually stopped reading my bible yeah. I didn't keep in touch with my friends back home all at the same time as the new friends I was making were not Christ followers. I started dating one of them, like, and then just like the enticement of sin, like, yeah, it's so easy to yeah. give into temptations of the flesh. Like, it is yeah. so easy. Um, and like, honestly, I think even if we're talking about that relationship, like, I totally realized and learned about myself through that. That like, man, I am hungry for affection. I am hungry mm. for, um you know, the, the acceptance of somebody. And so it was so easy for me to just like, Oh, I'll get this piece over and then I'll get this piece over. And before you know it, like I'm 10 steps into something I never thought I would do. Yeah. Um, but it was all these like small little things. It's never like I went to this new place and like, I'm going to walk away from Jesus. Yeah. It's never that way. It's just, we make these small, small justifications. We, um, make small allowances that eventually add up to this thing that we never thought was possible. Yeah. And one thing, like you saying, I was I wasn't even going to be there that long. I I'm I'm sure you even hear this now. Maybe like being surrounded by college kids, but I was just on the phone with a college gal that like just moved away from here, and I'm like, "Hey, where have you got? Have you committed to? Have you found the local church you're going to go to yet?" Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like. No, I'm like so busy and I'm like, here's your homework. Like mm-hmm. next week you are going to have, cause she's like, I think I found the one I'm going to go to. Okay, great. Your homework is that by next week, you know what small group you're going to attend at least right. try out. Like that's yeah. your homework. And, and even the ones that come here and they're only here for 
They've just transferred here. They're here for a year. And isn't that the lie though? Whatever it is, whether you're in a a residency that's for a year somewhere and, or you're in a like fellowship program or you're in college for just a year or two, isn't that the lie that the enemy like wants us to believe of like, you're here a short amount of time. So don't really invest and it won't really matter. Like you'll get back Mm -hmm. there and and it's just like, no, however long you're somewhere. And like you said, you stopped texting your believing friends that were hours away. Those friends are amazing. We need in the flesh proximity mm-hmm. people that are reminding us what God's doing in their life, reminding us what God's doing in our life lives and keeping us accountable. Yeah. And it's just you even saying that is whoever's listening, such a good reminder. If you're somewhere for one month, one year, do not believe the lie that you're not even here that long. Don't get, don't get invested. No, don't run the risk. Go find people mm-hmm. to follow Jesus with now and have people in proximity. It, it's uncomfy and it's worth it as you're probably going to talk about later. We, we won't get, we <laughs> sure, won't get into yeah. authentic community yet. No, but I, I love what you're saying because it's so true. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So you're the women's ministry lead in your church. What is something God's taught you through that role lately? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I'm sure there are so many things, and um, you know, I think when I first stepped into this role, my first thought was like, "Are you sure I'm the right person? Like, I'm young. I don't. I've mm. never done this before." Um, but you know, I, I'm fortunate to be on a staff with some incredible leaders who who believe in what God's doing, and they they hear that God has given you a passion for something, and they want to just like set you loose with cool. that and. Um, it's not without any oversight and yeah. of course, but it's like, Hey man, like you're passionate about this. We want, we want the same thing as you. And, um, you know, so I think at first I kind of came into this role. I've been doing it for, um, about a year and a half now. Um, and I think something that I've been learning kind of in general, but especially lately is, you know, I used to have this misconception that if I'm the leader of this ministry by title and in functionality, right? Like I'm the leader, I'm the one who's, who's making decisions, then I better have all of the right answers and I better have the mm-hmm. best ideas and I need to do everything perfectly so I don't disappoint people. Or, you know, honestly, I think my bigger fear in that was that I was going to mess it up. Hmm. Like if I don't do the right thing exactly perfect, then I'm going to mess up somebody's belief in Jesus or I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, lead somebody astray. Um, you know, like, I was almost intimidated by all these expectations that people bring to church and like, what do they expect out of me as the women's leader and all these things. Mm -hmm. Like I just had this kind of, you know, big view of leadership that had to be perfect. And it was all about me and what I knew to do. And it's like, man, what a silly thing. Like I know that God is the one who's leading Mm -hmm. this ministry, but I'm so quick to try to like take that into my own hands. Right. And think, well, like God put me in this role. So now it's about me. And it's like, Oh my goodness, Amy, Mm. like this is not about you. And so, Mm. you know, I think, I think it's more so, um, God just kind of like stripping me of that pride over and Mm. over and over again. Um, and I think, you know, kind of within that vein, like something that's kind of more specific for me lately is this has looked kind of like, me realizing um, that it's not actually about me being the one to do all of the work. Mm. Um, Like just because I'm the leader of a women's ministry at our church doesn't mean that I do or I should do all of the teaching, all of the coordinating, all the brainstorming, everything Mm. like that on my own. Like I don't have the best ideas and Mm. I don't think like every woman in our church, I don't have the same needs or the same situation. And so, you know, 
it's it, it's an easy thing for me to believe the lie that it's all on me. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the ways that like God has specifically provided um, for the ministry in our church is I have some incredible women on my team. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. Carolyn Oaks earlier, like what a joy Ugh. it is to labor alongside Carolyn Oaks. Wow. And like, man, oftentimes I'm like, she is leading me and I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for her. She's become an incredible um, just mentor for me and a great friend for me. And I'm so grateful for her. And it's like, man, she's one example of so many women that God has given our church who have giftings and strengths that are far better um, in, in many ways than mine. And so mm. actually in my, in my leadership role, I get to like empower other women to serve the Lord with their gifts and passion. Cool. Um, and so, you know, like my role in that is I get to like raise them up and equip them and empower them and send them out so that we're doing this thing called ministry yeah. together. Um, like, man, and, and kind of where it's like led me recently is to think this phrase, like, wouldn't it be so great if, you know, none of the women in my church knew my name, but they were so in love with Jesus that they didn't mm. need to know who I was. Mm. You know, like that's what my vision is for our women of our church is like mm. nobody knows or cares necessarily who Amy Hall is, mm. but that they through our women's ministry have fallen so in love with Jesus mm. that, you know, their lives have been dramatically changed. Yeah. And so, you know, I think sort of, you know, how that manifests now is kind of like thinking who is in our church, like who who are the women um, that I can look for their gifts, empower them to use that, and then like allow them to lean into that so that we can all just work together to bring glory to God through this ministry. Mm, that's so encouraging. I love that so much. Oh, and I'd even, I feel like even God showing you that, like you said at the v- very beginning of this answer, maybe it was the last answer when you were like, the leaders ha- saw that I was passionate about it and set mm-hmm. me loose and empowered me to go. And so it's cool how like, the apple's not falling far from the tree. Like that's clearly like the culture of your church. And that's really sweet because how beautiful women under you are feeling equipped and empowered by you. And that's just going to keep going. So Mm. praise God. That's so encouraging. (laughs) Okay. So I know that you have your specific church in Iowa and this may be, they may, this may differ from church to church, of course, but what are you seeing women in the church needing lately? Yeah. um, This is such a good question. It's the question I'm asking myself almost (laughs) every day. Um, And it's, it's one that's kind of like ever evolving and changing. Yeah. It depends on different seasons and all these things, Mm -hmm. but I think right now um, the huge need that I'm hearing from our women and just seeing in our church is this need for community. Mm. Um, We've already touched on it a little bit. I know we want to dig into this a little deeper, but it's, it's this like, I feel lonely or I feel like I'm left out um, and we, we want community, but then it's like coupled with this struggle of just busyness in life. Like, I feel like there's this huge desire among our women to have this authentic, real community, you know, like the type of friends where you don't have to clean up your house or your life. You just invite them into these real uh, daily struggles and Mm -hmm. tasks that we have. And, um, you know, and then also like people that we can share our discouragements with and the lies that we're believing so that they can speak truth into us. And then we all want this, but then at the same time, we all feel like our schedules are full and we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we don't have any time for that. And we don't feel like we can do anything for ourselves. And these two things kind of like contradict each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've been starting to kind of 
ask this question and pray through this question, like how do we help women find balance in their lives and in all the roles they play and responsibilities we have? And, and how do we at the same time then help them to develop these deep, meaningful relationships that help them follow Jesus? Yeah. Oh, so, so true. And I'm seeing that in my church and yeah, when, when God shows you the answer, please call me. That'll be in three or four years. We're like, here's what we're, here's what yeah. we got. And this yeah, is don't, don't you wish that the things that God was doing, like just give it like a really easy yes. clear path of like, we can just do this and that will solve all the yes. problems. It's like, oh no, no. Oh. Like I will let you know when God gives me that answer <laughs> yeah. because I don't, you know, it's like we can do as much as we know to do and God will be faithful to lead us in that. But it is just like, yeah, wow, God, like that is a real problem. Even for myself, it's like I, every time we talk about the women of of my church, like that's me, you know, and and I'm not separate from that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this leads us right into you are passionate about authentic community. So talk to us about the importance of authentic community and just everything. Yeah. Um, you know, this is something that I, like I just had mentioned, like I'm learning this and I feel this along with all the women in yeah. our church and I'm sure women everywhere. And, you know, obviously this is a broader audience than just women, but for me, this is kind of like my, totally. my passion yes. area and, and my experience. And so it's like, um, what I think about all the time. And, you know, as I think about authentic community, I think, um, what it comes down to kind of at the core is, just this um, concept of being able to be our most authentic selves um, and being real with people is kind of what allows us to live in the freedom of the gospel. Mm. Like, you know, when we're trying to be somebody, quote unquote, that we're yeah. not or like we're believing this lie that we're maybe not good enough or we're not smart enough or pretty yeah. enough or whatever to fit into this group or fill in the blank. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not enough for, for people to love me or to want me or to, to want to know me. Or if I do share something, I might scare them off. And Mm so, you know, I think we get in this place where we, we think we have to hide this part of ourselves or this less desirable part, desirable part of ourselves in order to like not be rejected by people. Or like we, we think that we have to fit this certain mold um, to fit in. Or, you know, for me, something it has been like, well, they already have their group of friends and I'm just going to look in with envy because I wish I was a part of that group. Mm. Um, but everybody else has this and I don't. I think that's a big mm. lie that we believe is that yeah. everybody else already has this community yeah. and there's something wrong with me. Um, you know, and so we get into this space where we're actually holding ourselves captive to Mm. these lies. And the reality is that Jesus died to set us free from (laughs) this so that we can be real and have freedom and be authentic and be accepted and like not be held to this, to this standard, right. Mm. Of, of what other people think. And so I think it's this place of authentic community where, um, community can actually happen the way that God intended it. Right. Like Paul says in Galatians six, um, to carry one another's burdens. And he mm-hmm. says, restore each other with a gentle spirit in our wrongdoing. Like when we're caught up in sin or depression or wrongdoing or whatever it is, like yeah. it requires us being real and honest with other people so that they can actually help carry those yeah. burdens and to restore us with the spirit of gentleness and yeah. to help us follow Jesus. And so it's like, we yeah. all want it, but it's it's this hard place of vulnerability to live in. And it's it's scary 
but it's also one of the most fulfilling relationships we can have with other believers is just to be our most authentic selves, right? Like to be loved in the midst of just the messiness of our lives. Um, And it's in that space where we're able to encourage and build up each other and help each other. And we mourn together and rejoice. Like this is what life looks like following Jesus. Yes. And I I love that you said it requires us being honest because I don't know if you've ever found this, but I've, I've found in different seasons where, you know, I'm, I, it's this, it's this almost this vicious cycle of like, I maybe am not honest with what's really going on because maybe mm. I, my walls are up and I'm not believing the gospel. My walls are kind of up. I'm not really trusting anyone. Then I don't, I'm not honest with how I'm struggling or what I need. So then no one's actually able to step in and love me well or know mm-hmm. me, but I'm expecting someone to, but they don't even know what's going on. And so I <laughs> right. love that you're like, it requires us being honest and and ultimately believing the gospel to then mm-hmm. let our walls come down because we can we can trust that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and then resurrecting three days later, we don't have to be our own protectors from mm-hmm. even being rejected because the reality is the 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 part of believing we might be rejected, we might be, but in being sons and daughters of Jesus, okay, he's my ultimate protector and defender. He calls me accepted, secure. Mm. So I get to keep trusting in him and 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 praying for a friend that, that won't reject me, that hopefully is also believing yeah. the gospel, sees my messiness yeah. and says, oh, I'm messy too, by God's grace. He's saved us and his blood has covered that. But yeah, the reality is we might be rejected, mm-hmm. but that we can't let that stop us from putting down our walls and believing the gospel yeah. for authentic community. Okay. So yeah, do you have, absolutely. do you have some tangible tips or encouragement for someone that doesn't have authentic community and is longing to find it? How do we find this authentic community? Big question. That could be, this could be a whole episode. We could just talk <laughs> That's about a this. big question. I feel like Jenny Allen wrote a whole book about this, right? Like find your people. Yes. Um, uh, but I, you know, I think some tangible things, yeah. right? Like yeah. it, it's hard. It just is. Um, especially when you get out of college life and into this adult world, like this is harder. And I think, you know, one of the first thing that comes to to mind is, you know, if you're a part of a local church, get into a small group, right? Like you talked about this with your friend, like whatever capacity that your church offers community, like jump in, (laughs) you have to, you have to be willing to just Mm -hmm. enter into community to begin with. And, you know, maybe if, Maybe if your church that if you're listening and your church doesn't have something like organized small groups or connection groups, you know, like go find a few other people and create something, right? Or maybe just start yeah. with one person, right? Like one person who you know is following Jesus and say, Hey, can we do life together? Yeah. And I, you know, I I think like sometimes you're like, Well, we have to make it organic and all these things, but it's like sometimes it's okay to be like, Hey, I need somebody to help me follow Jesus and you yes. seem pretty cool. Like, do you wanna hang out with me? 100%. And, um So I think that's one thing is just find people in your local church. And, you know, something that I kind of mentioned a little bit, but it's something I've started to realize is that coming out of college and into the adult world, like this is really hard. Um, And, and I don't know that I personally have done it well. Like I've had a lot of mentors who have helped me in this, but there was this kind of moment in my life late last year where I actually realized I had not been doing a very good job of investing in a close community. You know, like I had a lot of people in my life, um, but not really anyone outside of my husband that knew me like really, Mm -hmm. really well or who I was 
doing community with. And so I had to start, you know, sort of looking at like, who was in my life that I could invite in? Like, Mm. who could I just call or text or bring over to my house? Like to, to bring into my life. But then, you know, we have to flip that on its head to like, who can I invest in? Mm. You know, like we have to stop thinking about this community as like, um, you know, who can take care of me, but like, man, who, who can I pray for? Who can I invest in? Who can Mm. I be involved in their life? Um, and you know, it goes back and forth. It's the both and of that, where it's the, the beauty of that is like, man, we, we shouldn't just wait around for somebody to, to come into our lives. Like, who do I know that I can go encourage and build a relationship with? Right. Like this isn't something that really just happens organically. Um, you know, I kind of realized, and I think the encouragement that I want to share is like, we have to be willing to make the first move hmm. and sometimes the second and the third and the fourth yes. and the fifth move. Right. But it's so worth it. It's reach, it's worth reaching out to that person who's like an almost stranger and just saying, yeah. let's get together. And, you know, it doesn't have to start at this deep level of authenticity. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to start there, but you know, it will grow into mm-hmm. that. I think we just have to be willing to go first, you know, to open up, to let people in and say, like, here's two minutes of my real self (laughs) and just lay it out there and trust that God is going to meet us in that. Yes. That's so encouraging. So I, I personally have had some different seasons of like, I say this in quotes, people burnout and Mm -hmm. maybe a better way to describe it is seasons where I've reached my capacity on friendships maybe, or maybe just like capacity of people. Um, and, and I would say that the Lord has given me, Lord has given me a large capacity for people. And I think motherhood has affected this a ton. So a lot of my capacity is going to my toddlers right now. Um, Mm -hmm. but this sort of burnout where it feels like my community is super wide and maybe you've felt this way too, maybe not just like being around a lot of women and ministry and people. Um, but my community feels super wide and I don't want to say wide and thin because there are lots of deep friendships within there. And apart from asking God for wisdom in this, um, which is the most tangible, helpful thing that we can do. Have, have you found any other helpful things in finding the balance of fighting for deep, authentic community while still living out the gospel and inviting people in. Does that make sense? Like Jesus had 12 close friends and as a limited human, how do I form deep authentic community while knowing my boundaries yet still living Mm -hmm. a gospel centered life on mission, inviting people into the fold? Yeah. I mean, that's, that could probably be another whole episode in itself too. (laughs) As I've been, this is something I've been processing through probably since January, I've been kind of walking through this with the Lord and he's been kind of to bring different things and answers to mind. But I'm always, I'm always curious, have other people experienced this and what have you found helpful? That was the longest question of yeah. all time. <laughs> yeah, Maddie, I think it's a good question though. It's a long question, but it's helpful. Um, you know, I think, I think we've all probably felt this with any transition in life. You know, you yeah. talked about motherhood, but I think it's really like, whether we're leaving college and getting our first full-time job or when we get married or having kids or each time we add another child, you know, each of these comes with just a new list of priorities and responsibility and our schedule and our lifestyle change. And it's just really, it's hard each time there's a transition. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that I've walked through this in different seasons. I'm right there with you um, right now, currently with toddlers. Right. And um, I think one of the most, tangible things we can kind of do is exactly what you're talking about with Jesus and his 12 close friends, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
he did life with them. Yeah. Like Jesus didn't just say like, okay, we're going to meet every Saturday from nine to 11 and talk about me. (laughs) You know, it wasn't, it wasn't this perfect organized way of spending time with people. Um, He didn't invite them over only when his house was clean or the kids were asleep or when he could spend five uninterrupted hours with them, right? Mm. Like they ate together and they worked together and they traveled together. And, you know, I think maybe as kind of like a loose interpretation or whatever of how this looks for me and my life is kind of similar to how I approach discipleship, which is like, come do life with me, right? Like we're both doing a lot of the same things, especially like a lot of my friends or close community is going to be people that I'm in the same kind of stage of life with yeah. like let's meal prep together let's grocery shop mm. together let's let our kids play and make a mess while we sit yeah. here unshowered and have dirty laundry yes. in the hallway and you know yeah. I think it, it kind of goes back to this authentic community piece yeah. where it's like you know this requires a level of just authentic living yeah. and humility where we say like my life is absolutely crazy and busy and so is yours so let's just do yeah. it together right yeah. and and I do think there is a there is a piece within that of you have to know your limits, right? Mm-hmm. Like not all of us are extroverted all of the time. And yeah. so, you know, knowing knowing when to say like, I want to invite people over versus like I just need this afternoon home by myself. And yeah. so you, you kind of have yeah. to do like a little trial and error with that, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like you have to know your values, which yeah. if authentic community is a value that we say we have and we desire, then we kind of have to just like build our life around that, yeah. right? Like you have to schedule your days and weeks in a way that mm. reflect that. And so, yeah. you know, you kind of learn how to balance this friendship and community and rest and Jesus yeah. and family and all these things. And so, um, yeah, you know, you kind of have to learn what works best for you. But I think like, I hope this actually answers your question. I kind of, you know, went off a little bit, but you know, it's kind of like, you just have to, you have to realize that people aren't expecting perfection that actually that's probably going to push people away more than it's going to draw them in. Like we want friends who are like us, who, who aren't perfect people that we can be real with and not feel lesser than or find ourselves in that space. You know? No, that's super helpful. Thanks for, thanks for helping me sift through that. I feel like already (laughs) the Lord was, it's stirring some thoughts in my head. Um, okay, so something God has made you passionate about is studying the Bible. So talk to us about the importance of that and share some tangible tools that you found helpful in your own personal Bible study. Yeah, um, so you're right. I am passionate about this, and so I will try not to talk for like two hours about talk it because forever. I feel like I could. Again, we keep saying this. I feel like we could do an <laughs> yeah. entire episode yes. on this. Um but yeah, uh, I this is something I've become super passionate about. And just kind of like to set it up a little bit, I think will be helpful. Like I came to be passionate about this um, during the time that I was on staff with Salt Company, which I talked about a little bit earlier. And we had this, um, I mean, I've, I've always loved God's word, but this is where it kind of became a reality for me of how important it was. Um, we did a retreat with our students that was focused on spiritual disciplines. And specifically, mm. it was all about fasting and Bible reading. Cool. And so throughout this weekend, um, the whole thing was built on like how to read your Bible. We were teaching sort of this like more in-depth inductive Bible study method where we were kind of going through step by step how to do it. Like we would lead how to do it. Okay, now go practice it in your groups, right? And so it was like really, really cool. And people like me who are nerdy, like get really excited about this. Um, But it's during this retreat where God started kind of reveal this passion for me uh, for studying the Bible and more specifically for helping women to study the Bible with confidence. And so kind of to make a long story short, like throughout the weekend, um, 
we had about 75 students there and it was probably like 50, 50 girls and boys. And, um, throughout the weekend, I would watch the room. Like we would introduce the concept and have them practice it. And they were split up at their tables. Like they had kind of split up guys and girls as usually happens. (laughs) And, um, what happened as we did this was the tables of guys would like dig right in. Even if they were like dead wrong, they would try it. You know, like the guys are the ones who are like, what's two plus two? Seven. And you're like, no, but that's a great effort. You know, Um, they weren't afraid to ask questions to the leaders. They weren't afraid to say, like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tables of girls were like complete opposite. It was like silent at their tables. And it was like, as I started to sit at different tables and ask the girls like, okay, what do you think? What does this say? Um, it was like, they were so afraid of getting it wrong or looking bad mm. that they weren't even really willing to try. Like they were mm. so afraid of failing yeah. um, or looking bad or, you know, looking yeah. dumb that they were, they were too afraid to even like try to read their Bible. Um, or maybe they had the right answer, but they were too unsure to speak mm. up. And so, you know, um, that was really transformative for me because like throughout this whole weekend, my heart just broke more and more about this. Like I would watch these girls that I loved so much that I knew loved Jesus be so timid and shy mm. about reading scripture and speaking up and, they just lacked a confidence mm. um, that just kind of broke me. And mm. I actually came home and I was like, <laughs> I was sad about it. But by the time I got home, like by the time I drove my two hours back home, I was like kind of angry yeah. about it. Like I was so angry that Satan could so easily get into these girls' minds and tell them the lie that they're not good enough to read the Bible, that they're not smart enough or mm. strong enough or whatever to able, to be able to understand God's word. And so like, I was just angry at the devil for this. Yeah. Like, um. And I had this mentor kind of help me process through that, like, hey, maybe this anger you're feeling could actually be turned into something productive. Like Mm -hmm. you have this passion for helping these young women read and study the Bible. And so like, that's kind of like, that's not what you were asking, but it just like, that's how I got into this passion where like God kind of revealed to me, um, like, man, I care a lot about this. And like, Mm -hmm. this is something where I have grown in my confidence in, and it has dramatically changed the way that I follow Jesus, knowing what his, knowing what God's word says. And so, you know, um, I, I do think that as women, especially, um, we're so easily influenced by so many lies. And the only way Mm -hmm. to like fight lies that we believe is with the truth of God's word. And so, you know, the only way that we can be confident in who we are in Jesus, you know, and be confident of the grace and mercy of salvation that we have is to be able to read and understand God's word, Mm -hmm. which gives us everything we need for living a life following Jesus. Right. And so it's like, um, if we want to be women who are passionately and wholeheartedly following Jesus and living our lives to bring glory to him, then we need to know what that looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the way we know that is through the instructions of Jesus's teaching and his desires for our lives. And so, man, I just was like caught up in that. And so I wow. think really like the importance of knowing how to study scripture um, is just, is just knowing what Jesus says so that we can, we can follow him yeah. more and know him more and, and to realize the the reality of our of the gospel, um, not just for salvation, but for life and godliness, mm-hmm. right? So that was that was a big thing for me. Um, and so, sorry, you asked the second part of your question about you know kind of like how yeah. we practically do this, and so um, yeah, some practical ways to study through the Bible. And I think it's really important to say that there are so many so many resources out there. There are so many tools and sometimes it just takes trying a few and finding Mm -hmm. one that works for you. And 
Um, I'm kind of an academic nerd. So for me, like I love digging through like word by word through scripture when I have the time. Um, And so the ones that I find helpful are sort of geared that direction. So like when I'm going to do a deep Bible study, I'll use something like Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub, which are both online that have, you know, you can access original language and things like that. Like these are things that if you want to go like really deep, you can kind of get into that. Um, But, but I don't think that's necessarily the only way or even the best way to study your Bible. Like, I think there's different ways to do it at different times. Um, And so that's like, if you want to go slow study through a passage, those are tools that you can dig really deep with. Um, But then the other thing I would say has been really helpful for me is owning a study Bible. Um, It helps me see things like cross references. It gives me an idea of historical context and things like that, Mm -hmm. Um, which all of this sounds a little bit nerdy, but really what's, what's happened through using tools and resources like this is it has actually allowed me to understand scripture um, with a larger view of what what the original author was trying to say mm-hmm. to the original people and why that mattered and then how that yeah. translates to me, right? Like we don't want to just jump into our Bible and say, what does this mean for me today without considering yeah. what was the original author trying to communicate to these original people in a specific place at a specific time. And mm-hmm. so we have to do the work of kind of digging through that um, to understand then like, okay, so what's the significance for me? Yeah. That's great. So what, what is God wanting to do with this in my life? Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I think there's a ton of different tools um, you can use. Another one that I have loved that a lot of women at our church use is Bible Recap, um, which if you haven't heard of it, it's this resource that takes you through a reading plan for the Bible But then each day that you read, it kind of also gives you this like recap and summary of the scripture and things like that to sort of firm up what you've been studying on your own, which is always great to have that like kind of um, recap and affirmation. But, you know, I think to kind of wrap all that up, I think the biggest encouragement I have for somebody who's wanting to know how to study the Bible is just um, start with your Bible and bring your curiosity Mm-hmm. Um, something that I'm realizing the more I talk with people about this is sort of exactly what happened at that college retreat, which is, you know, we decide we're going to study through a passage of scripture and we, you know, kind of automatically, I think as women, we have this idea that we need to have the right answer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we do want to study the Bible well, and we want to understand scripture correctly, but what we don't want is to become Bible quiz champs, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't just want to like be able to rattle off a bunch of answers about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what's really important is we need to remember that we should approach our Bibles with, um, you know, enough humility to say we don't have all the right Mm -hmm. answers, to be able to say, I don't understand this, um, but to not leave it there, right? Like to slow down and kind of ask the question, what did that say? And sort of just start by reading something and checking our comprehension and maybe saying like, okay, what else does Jesus have to say about this? Or Mm -hmm. where else does God talk about this in the Old Testament? And just start to like be curious and be okay with not having all of the right answers mm-hmm. and just starting from a place of humility to say like, I want to know God more and I want to grow in my relationship with him. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to come to the table expecting that I don't know anything yeah. and allow God to like use the word and allow the Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit just to interpret scripture for me. Mm-hmm. Those are all so helpful. That was really long. So, no. <laughs> so many helpful helpful tips and tools. And I love that about the curiosity and coming to it. Because yeah, what is it? And like, I can even, even as you were explaining about the girls who were like, maybe didn't want to speak up or share something, I can like vividly remember, um, I have a memory. It was probably like 
I think like four years ago, I was in like a Bible class at my church or something. And like, I just, I didn't want to answer the question. Like there was a question answered, asked, and I didn't want to answer the question. I feel like if it would have been a group of women, I would have, I was, I was processing as I like, wasn't wanting to answer the question. I'm processing like, why am I not wanting to answer the question Mm -hmm. in front of like men specifically, or like, I don't know. Like, and I think it was that, oh, maybe not wanting to be wrong. So definitely some pride in there, but also I was just like sifting through like, why is this? Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's, that just made me think of that. That's neither here nor there. Just nothing I'm going to reprocess through. There's a, there's a mentor of mine um, who has helped me. I've been processing through the same thing. Like, this is why I'm like super passionate. Like we should have women's ministry, like a group of women changes things. But uh, you know, she kind of like put this like a little bit funny phrase, but it's so true. She's like, you know what I think? I think we raise our boys to be brave and our girls to be right. Hmm. And it just impacts us for the rest of our lives. Oh. And I was like, I don't like that, but it's so true. And like, I just want to break that because yeah. it just is, it's really harmful. <laughs> so mm. Okay. Now my mind's going to be stirring the rest of the day. Like <laughs> what language am I unintentionally using? And I'm going to be asking God, okay, I mean, I'm already asking God that while I'm raising my kids. God, what language am I unintentionally using that I heard Mm -hmm. or was said to me that's actually not helpful or, but okay, I'm definitely going to be sifting through that with the Lord. So you kind (laughs) of answered this a little at the end, but let's say someone's listening to this and, and God willing, he is stirring their heart to read their Bible, maybe for the first time ever. And they're thinking, where do I even start? This feels a little overwhelming. Where would you encourage them to start? And what would you say to them? Yeah, I love that you're asking this because it's so practical and I hear it a lot. And honestly, it's it's where we've all been at yes. at some point in our faith. And to be honest, sometimes even if we've been following Jesus for a long time, we're still asking this question, yes. like, where do I start? This feels overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't, so maybe it's not encouraging, but like that doesn't always go away. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's good to ask. And, you know, if somebody is brand new to the Bible, you know, I usually encourage them, like, start with the gospel. Um, you know, one of my favorite gospel books, I love them all, but Matthew is great, you know, kind of gives you this clear picture of exactly who Jesus is and his life and his kingdom. And mm. um, that's always great to start with there because everything in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is pointing to Jesus. And so, you know, understanding who Jesus is helps us understand a lot of scripture. And so that's yeah. always one where I encourage people to start with the gospel. Yeah. Um, but another one that I've recommended before is the book of Romans. Um, And a big reason is because Paul is so explicit about the gospel and our need for Jesus throughout that letter. And there's a lot of other things in there you have to kind of unpack, which is true for every book. But, you know, really, those are two that I recommend. But there's no, you know, like right or best place to start, right? Like it could be that you're working through one chapter of Proverbs a day or reading one psalm a day, right? Like I think I think that is is just as good as starting with any other book of the Bible is just to start somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think, you know, the biggest thing that, that we fight in our Bible reading consistently is actually like having a plan, right? Like where, when, and what am I going to read? And then just deciding and just digging into it. And, you know, the other thing I think I would say, um, if this is, if this is where you're kind of at is just start, start small and start slow, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's okay to reread and it's okay if you yeah. don't understand everything. And so um, it's okay to start small and, you know, kind of the last encouragement I'll kind of give 
here is find find somebody to come alongside you, mm-hmm. either to read the same thing with you or that you can go to with questions as they come up or as you're finding things that God is revealing to you that you're excited about, like find yeah. somebody that you can share those things with. And, you know, regardless of where you start, um, just decide what, when, and where you'll read and then mm-hmm. just pray, uh, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to help you, ask God to reveal his word to yeah. you. Um, and just and just start there. Mm, super helpful. And thanks for continually freeing us up today. Of like, there's no, there's no one way to do it. There's no best mm. way or better way to do it. But do it in some way. Start <laughs> like, don't let that yeah, not yeah. keep you. And we we just had our church's women's retreat a few weeks ago, and a guy named Dr. Phil Collins came, and um, the whole weekend was about engaging with scripture. And he went through, gosh, like 10 or 15 different ways to engage in scripture. And it was so encouraging and freeing too that like, mm. I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm more similar to you. Like I like the academics and I want to study and I want to read. I want to have my tan. Mm-hmm. I'm a tangible gal. Like I want to be seeing it. I want to sure. underline it. I want to <laughs> write things. Yeah. And, and I'm like, someone else might be an auditory learner and actually listening to mm-hmm. scripture over and over again might be most helpful. Someone might be best like hand copying out the scripture and rewriting mm-hmm. everything. And I like all of those mm-hmm. and you can also do all of them, but like it was also freeing because he was like, God's specifically and uniquely made each of us to also learn and digest differently. Now still mm-hmm. digest and learn it. Like, but mm-hmm. there's so many different mm-hmm. ways. And so thanks for reminding us that, yeah, even the ways that Amy shared today might not be your favorite way, or maybe they are, or maybe you switch it up and you're like me and you mm-hmm. like to do something different every day. Um, sure. But that's super, that's super encouraging and helpful. Okay. Yeah. And even, oh, no, you go. I was going to say, even like hearing you say that, like there is value in, in reading and meditating on scripture in ways that's not your favorite way to do it. Like God can grow us and stretch us Mm. in so many ways when we just get a little bit out of our comfort zone. Like, um, you know, something that, uh, I have grown in that I used to like dread was just like praying through scripture, which sounds Mm. bad to say I used to dread this, but just like, I didn't really understand how or what to do. And like, just opening up a psalm and praying it yeah. to the Lord like has changed my relationship with the Lord because I've learned to pray in different ways. I've learned to understand scripture in different mm-hmm. ways, just through practicing different things yeah. um, and trying different ways of approaching scripture too. I love that. Okay. Another thing God has made you passionate about is Sabbath and rest. Talk to us about this. Why, what is it and why is it so important? Yes. Oh man. I said I could go on and on about the last <laughs> one. And honestly, this one may be worse. <laughs> um, so I'll try not to get you know too preachy with this, but it yeah. really is something that I've become super passionate about. Um, so I think you know most of us who are Christ followers or who, or who have you know been around the church or exposed to the Bible, we have this kind of like general understanding of what Sabbath is, or at least a familiarity with the concept, yeah. right? Like we've heard it preached, or we um, have heard that keeping the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments that was given in Exodus, and it's actually something that we see modeled by God in the story of creation in Genesis. And there's this kind of pattern that we're familiar with, with Sabbath, where we understand that it's laid out as like six days of work, one day of rest. And there's this pattern, right? Working and resting and working and resting. Um, but I think we we tend to lack a little bit in our understanding of Sabbath, which is kind of what you're asking in this question. You know, like, I think we all know that rest is important. 
we know we're supposed to do it. We know it would be good for us, but we're so kind of like overscheduled and busy that we have sort of this mindset, like I can't rest because there's too much to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or I'll rest when I get all these things done, which for most of us means we're never going to rest. (laughs) Like the work just continues. There's always more to do. And like, I think if you think through, you know, all the things going on in life, like maybe you've got kids and there's all these sports and then extracurriculars and activities. And then there's small group night or connection group night. There's talking with this person or working a full-time job or we're volunteering and serving or trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, squeeze in time with family and friends and we're going and doing. And like, we end up at the end of each week, just feeling like exhausted. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we're like, Oh, we just need a break. And then we have to go back to work again. And, you know, it can kind of get into this grind and we just feel like kind of empty and exhausted or lonely or, you know, kind of all these ways that that manifests. And, you know, like if you can, if you're listening and you can relate to any of that, like, I think maybe something that can be a really big encouragement to you are Jesus's words in the book of Mark, where, um, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man and that's Mark two twenty seven. And, you know, kind of what was captivating about that for me was it's not that the Sabbath was made for God. Although like it definitely is in order to glorify God and to, to allow us to engage with God, like there's this idea that the principle of weaving like regular Christ-centered rest into our schedule is actually this incredible gift to us. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's as if God knew that we would be prone to work, work, yeah. work, and rely on our own strength and wear ourselves out and that we would need like this rest that can only come from Him. Yeah. Like we see in scripture um, that Sabbath, like all the rest of the law is actually fulfilled in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like a verse that many of us are familiar with is in Matthew 11. You know, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Like Jesus takes this concept of Sabbath and then helps kind of define it for us. He says, mm-hmm. rather than it being this command we have to follow, this is actually like an incredible gift and a promise mm-hmm. that we're invited into. Like Jesus is saying, come, let me give you this type of rest that you can find nowhere else apart from me. Like allow me to renew your strength and revive your soul and give you new life again and again and again. Oh, I feel like you just straight discipled my soul. <laughs> I feel like I was just like mesmerized listening to you there. Did you see like my like pause? I was like, yeah, I was like, wow, just keep, just keep talking and reminding me that, that, that is what the Lord has for me and for mm-hmm. us and for everyone listening. Oh, okay. What has the Sabbath and rest looked like in your own life? Yeah. Um, this is always a super humbling question to be asked because <laughs> while it is something that I'm really passionate about, this has grown out of recognizing my own need for it. Yeah. Like I've experienced firsthand over and over again in so many seasons, how easy it is to fill my days and my life with doing all these things yeah. and filling my calendar. And, you know, for me, I've seen it lead to this point of like emptiness and burnout and exhaustion. And I feel like I have this pattern of like fixing it and then falling into it and fixing it and falling into it. And so, you know, this journey of starting to like incorporate Sabbath into my life started for me right about three years ago. Um, which this is that season where I felt like I was just being pulled in what felt like 10 different directions, which I mean, it's every season, but especially right here. Um, and they all felt like urgent and important Mm. all at the same time. And, um, you know, this is where I just, first started working full-time in ministry. I had just started getting my master's degree. So I was deep into schoolwork. Um, I was, uh, I just had our first kid. So I had a newborn in the midst of all that. And I was trying to adjust to life as a new mom. This is right when COVID happened. Like all these things just like happened at the same time. And I was trying to disciple women and 
um, trying to do the rest of the life things, you know, like taking care of the house and groceries and whatnot. And, you know, in school at the time, um, I had a professor whose email always sent out this automatic reply. Like even when he wasn't out of office, he always had an auto reply set on his email. And there was only one sentence in it. And I will, Maddie, I'll never forget it. This is what it said. It said, my lifestyle simply does not align with the world's expectations. So it's normal for me to take one to two days to respond to emails. Thanks for understanding. Stop. I know. And so it was like during this super busy season where I read that email response one day and it caused me to stop. At first I was like irritated because I needed an answer, right? Like I need this. And eventually though, like I was like, huh, like Mm. as I started to kind of like process this, I realized that, you know, I had been caught up in this idea that I had to meet certain expectations in order to be worth something of value in the roles that I play, right? Like I was constantly doing and going and working. And by the way, I was trying to do it all in my own strength, right? Like there was no margin in my life for anything else, like no time to slow down and certainly no time to like stop working altogether, right? Like it was, it was like this reply on my email would have been something like, I'm trying my hardest to keep up with unrealistic expectations of myself. I don't have time to slow down and I don't trust God to take care of all Mm. the things. So I'll do this right away in my own strength with a bitter heart and I'm exhausted and empty. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been my constant reply. Yeah. And so like, you know, I'd kind of gotten caught up in trying to constantly pour out and do everything. And I was kind of left wondering like, if all of these things are supposed to be good, <laughs> why is this so hard? Yeah. Like, why am I struggling? Why am I not joyful? Like why, what, why do I not find this joy of Jesus yeah. that I've heard about? Yeah. And you know, I think this happens to us a lot. Like we're busy. We spend a lot of time pouring out um, and we get to this point where we feel like we have nothing left to give yeah. to anybody. <laughs> um, you know, all these good things we're doing actually lead us just to feeling um, empty and exhausted. Yeah. And so this is kind of what started my journey into studying the Sabbath and then putting it into practice mm-hmm. in my life was kind of recognizing that I have a deep need for rest and not just the kind of rest where, you know, I check out and scroll social media. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Um, But I'm talking about like this kind of rest that only comes through Jesus, Mm -hmm. like what he talks about in Matthew 11. And so, you know, kind of as I've studied the Sabbath over these past few years, um, you know, there's what I found is uh, there's actually a couple, I told you I was a nerd. So like there's a couple of different words in the original language used in the Bible for this type of like Sabbath rest that we're talking about. And both of them are found in the creation account in Genesis. And one, one of the words means to stop, stop working, just stop. Mm. And the other one means to dwell or to settle as in like being with God in his creation. Mm. And so I think this is kind of where we can dig into how this looks practically speaking and how it's looked in my life. And so, you know, we kind of look at these two things. So first we have to stop working. And what I've learned is that, this actually requires a plan. Like we have to make this a priority. And so this may look like building in a regular rhythm of rest into our calendar, or, you know, maybe we have to rearrange our schedules Mm -hmm. to, to say that rest is a priority. And then this is the hardest part, right? Like we actually have to Mm -hmm. do it. We actually have to stop working. And this takes discipline and self-control to say no to a lot of these good things or pressing things so that we can say yes to something that's really important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I've, as I've, walk through this, something that I'm still learning and um, that God has shown me is that this actually requires trusting that God will provide. 
Like even when I take a day off, like God is still, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's still on the throne. Like Jesus is still on the throne. We have to be willing to say like, I'm not the one who holds it all together. Yeah. Like it's God who's sovereign. He knows my needs. He provides yeah. for me. He's able to maximize what I'm able to do. Like God knows what he's called me mm-hmm. to. And he's going to allow me to do that. But I have to be willing to trust that he's going to be the one who accomplishes yeah. it even when I stop working. And so, you know, for me, like if this is resonating with you as you're listening and it's something that you feel like you need to try, like my encouragement, again, just like with Bible reading is just start small. Yeah. Like I started with two hours every Friday afternoon yeah. and then eventually started working out like three hours, four hours, six, and then eventually like a full day. Yeah. And it, it takes, it takes work and intentionality. Yeah. Like we have to start shifting priorities and our mindset mm-hmm. and being okay with like leaving things undone right like I just have to stop working like it doesn't matter that my floor needs swept or that there's still dishes in the sink like I need to choose that Jesus is a priority that my Mm -hmm. rest in him matters and so like the work will still be there Mm -hmm. tomorrow and that's okay yeah and so like that's the first part that stop working part um I think the second part though is is really important because you know what do we do then we stop working so what do we do with that time and we have to go back to that second word that means to dwell or to settle, like to be with God and his creation. Yeah. And so, you know, at the very least, I think um, the time we spend in Sabbath should look like, you know, pulling away from every other pursuit or obligation in our life in order to instead place all of our focus on God and his goodness. And so this is the part that really makes this concept of Sabbath distinct from just a normal day off, right? Like, Sabbath is a time for rest, like deep soul rest and worship. And I think this can look different for each of us. You know, like at first when I started studying Sabbath, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to read my Bible for eight hours. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm going to like that. Like, yeah. um, but I, you know, as, as I've studied this and as I prayed through this, like God has just has shown me like this can look different. Like mm-hmm. it, it could, and probably I would say it definitely should mm-hmm. include time in the word and prayer and worship. Um, But the biggest encouragement that I think I have for you is just that we can have a broader view of what it means to worship. Mm -hmm. Like worship is not just showing up to church on Sunday morning and singing our guts out or turning our praise music on high volume. Right. It's, it's um, I think we can start to think of worship as like anything that orients our hearts toward a grateful recognition of God's goodness Mm. in our life, right? Like anything that helps us look up in awe of God and who he is. Like it could be nature. It could be spending time just being present with your kids. It could be a bike ride or a good book or a good cup Mm. of coffee. Like it's about worshiping God, being in his presence and enjoying the good gifts that he's given us. And so like, as we think about dwelling or being with God, like I think we can broaden our view of that. It's more so just like pausing the normal rhythms of life in order to fully engage in that. Mm, So helpful. Oh my goodness. About 30. There was a lot in there. 30 quotes in there. I just need to like ruminate on. And that was so helpful. I love that encouragement for us to broaden our, our scope of what worship looks like. Um, I think it was Matt Chandler that once said, that could be wrong. Someone else besides me said once um, or gave the encouragement, if you if you work with your mind for your job, you might work with your hands on Sabbath. Like that will be re- that might be restful for you. Mm. If you work with your hands mm-hmm. for your job, maybe you work with your mind on your Sabbath. And yeah. that was like and, and yeah, I feel like there's so many helpful tools and different things. And like you've been saying the whole time and then just said now, like there's so many 
different and helpful ways. But like you said, it's not, it's stopping your obligations, your work. And I know for me there, and I'm sure for you too, you have a job you love. Like I remember when I first started practicing the Sabbath, like it came with so many justifications. I was like, but I like actually really find it restful to edit these wedding photos back when I was at wedding. And I'm like, and God's like, no, like that's your job. Like, (laughs) no, like you are still, there's something you're trying to justify you actually being quote end quote productive when actually rest is productive and you not doing this is productive. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. all of that was so encouraging. Thanks for sharing that. All of those tangible things. That's yeah. So helpful. Okay. Lastly, (laughs) but well, not probably lastly, but lastly for today, you are passionate about discipleship. So yeah, kind of, kind of join these together. Talk to us about, about that. And maybe what, what does discipleship look like for you on both ends of the spectrum? Maybe how did you begin? How do you begin discipling someone or a group of people? How have you found people to disciple you? Yeah. Talk to us about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think like when I think about discipleship, um, it, I've, I've come to a better understanding of discipleship in my life over these mm-hmm. past several years. And, you know, I, I used to think of discipleship as like this structured curriculum driven, driven thing where it was like, we have a plan. We're going to walk through these 10 steps. You're going to follow Jesus yeah. through it. And it's just like, oh man, I was, I think that's, I think that's fine. Like that's helpful. But I think discipleship is, is so much more beautiful mm. than that. Like, um, it's so important for us as the Christ follower, because there's always somebody who has been walking with Jesus longer than us and yeah. always somebody who is younger in their faith that we can encourage. And so like, it's yeah. this beautiful generational type of thing. Um, and you know, discipleship doesn't always look like a two hour coffee meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it does and it can. And I think that's great. Um, but I think a better picture that I've I've come to understand for discipleship is kind of like how Paul talks about this in First Corinthians. Like he says, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ," mm-hmm. and it's it kind of gives us this picture of like having somebody you can look up to as an example and teacher yeah. for what it looks like to follow Jesus, and then being that same example to somebody else. So it's like finding somebody to help you kind of navigate the ins and outs of your season of life or your life in general in a way that you can live for Jesus and then helping guide somebody else in the same way. And, you know, something for me when I first started discipling somebody was thinking again, maybe this is just something that the Lord is trying to chip away at. It was like, I always felt like I had to have the right answer. Mm -hmm. Like it it feels like this high pressure situation, right? Like I'm now responsible for somebody else's faith. And it's like, no, Jesus is responsible Mm -hmm. for their, for their life. And you know, I had, I had somebody tell me once, like, um, it, it's not about you telling them what to do. It's about you like guiding them to the truth of scripture. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not saying follow me because I'm doing this thing perfectly. It's me helping them say like, do you, or do I want to follow Jesus in this area of my life? And if yes, like, great, do you, or do I know what he says about it? And mm-hmm. so, you know, we go to scripture together and we allow God's word to kind of lead us and, uh, it's, it's somebody coming alongside of us or us coming alongside someone saying like, I want to help you follow Jesus in this area of your life. And so, you know, like for me, um, this, my first kind of exposure to discipleship was right after I got saved in college. I got paired up with just a, a lady from our 
church and she was wonderful. She invited me to her home. We hung out with her three and five year old every day. And, um, you know, like she invited me over for dinner and she would just ask me how I'm doing, what I'm learning. She would, you know, we would read, you know, the same book of the Bible together and we'd talk about those things. And, um, so that was kind of my first exposure, which I think is actually a really great picture of discipleship because she was literally like, okay, come into my life and I'm going to talk to you about Jesus and how I'm following Jesus and ask how you're doing with following Jesus. And so I actually was really fortunate that I got to be exposed to that type of discipleship early on in my faith. Um, And so, yeah, like current season for me, um, I have uh, two women that I meet with regularly who are pouring into me. And then um, like specifically, so one of them is like, um, one of them that I meet with is specifically like, I want to know the Bible in the way that you know the Bible. Mm. Like, can you teach me how to know the Bible the way that you do? And the other one, though, like, I have asked a different person to disciple me in par- uh, parenting and marriage. Yeah. Like, I, ha- I, I see that your children are following Jesus. You have a really healthy marriage, even though you've been through some hard yeah. things. Like, can you help me follow Jesus in these areas of my mm. life? And so I've kind of approached that yeah. in that way where it's like, you know, kind of targeted discipleship yeah. for the women who are pouring into me. Um, and then I'm meeting regularly, uh, with a couple of different women right now who are, you know, like just behind me in life stage or whatever. But, um, for that, it looks like I kind of have modeled like what I learned in discipleship early on, which is like, if you want to meet for coffee or lunch, that's fine. But also like, uh, right now it's like every Tuesday morning, I have somebody over in my living room and I may be folding laundry while we're talking, but we're usually just like hanging out in my living room. I put on a pot of coffee, make some snacks and You know, it's kind of like, just come into my life yeah. and, and let's talk about how you're doing and how you're following Jesus and how can I, how can I encourage you or how can I challenge yeah. you to continue kind of growing in that? Mm, I love that. And I love the like almost targeted discipleship, how you're like, oh, I see this and I like value mm-hmm. that. And I, I look up to that and then I see this in you and I value that. Not that you probably don't value those things in both of them, but that's like, sure. that's so yeah. That's so helpful. I love that. What is a piece of scripture the Lord is currently using to encourage, exhort, or convict you with lately? Yeah, um, definitely. This is one that has been really recent for me. It's Galatians one ten, and mm. um, I'll just I'll just read it. So it says, "For for am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ." and in context here, Paul is talking to the people in the church of Galatia and he's saying like, how can you start to believe another gospel? Like there is no other gospel than Jesus Christ. And so, you know, he's talking to these people who are starting to be swayed by different things that their culture is saying and that the world is saying to them. And he's basically, you know, saying, I will stand firm on the gospel of Mm -hmm. Jesus. Um, And, I think what the Lord has kind of been drawing out of this verse in this passage for me is that the world tries to preach so many gospels, like quote unquote gospels, contrary to the gospel of Jesus. Um, They they tell us that we have to be a certain way or perform a certain way or achieve a certain status Mm -hmm. or do enough things or whatever it is. And so like, I, I start to believe that lie at different times in my life where I feel like, I need to win this person over so that I can take them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Or I need to, you know, I talked about this a little bit with what the Lord's teaching me in my job is just, you know, like, I feel like I have to perform a certain way to win people over and to persuade them that I am worth something mm-hmm. so that you should listen to me. And, you know, what, what Paul is saying in this verse is so 
helpful to me and so convicting for me. Like, am I trying to persuade people or God? Like if I'm trying to persuade people, if I'm trying to perform a certain way or put on a certain image to people, like I'm not actually serving Christ in those, in those ways. And so, you know, this has been a huge encouragement for me that I need to stand firm in the truth of the gospel of Jesus, understand who I am in Christ and then live my life for him daily. Mm, So encouraging. Okay, someone is out there listening to this and maybe for the first time thinking, I want to respond to the gospel. I want to know and follow Jesus. What is a tangible next step for them? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would say like, that's incredible. <laughs> you know, like God is Lord, so please. good. Um, yeah, it's like, Lord, that would be amazing. Um, but I think, yeah, like somebody's feeling called to follow Jesus. Like, you know, I think the first thing that I would just say is like exactly what scripture tells us to do. Like if, if you want to respond to the, the gospel, um, this is what this is what we read in Romans uh, chapter 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. So like, man, if you are feeling called to follow Jesus, like what a beautiful thing that is. And scripture tells us that when we confess that he is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's that encouragement to confess and repent of your sin and just believe in Jesus. And if that's where you're at, like, man, go tell somebody, yeah. invite somebody into that celebration with you so that they can help you like know what comes next in following mm-hmm. Jesus. Amen. Okay, to wrap up our time together, we have some rapid fire questions. Keyword rapid, keyword fire. Oh, see, I'm losing my voice. I literally was telling Alex in my old age, in my old age, I, I won't be able to do it. the fire anymore. It. Okay, let me try it again. Oh keyword gosh, rapid, keyword so fire. There we go. I just got to go love There you it. go. You I used it. to be able to do it when I was 25. <laughs> Apparently at 28, you know, I'm losing that key. Okay. Yes. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, I think Most so. impactful verse on your life all time, and you can read it too. Oh, perfect. Uh, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. Amen. Favorite book Mm -hmm. all time. Oh, I didn't come up with this one. You Um, can take a minute. Oh my gosh. Or one of your, maybe one of your favorite um, books right now, like if anything stands out to you. Oh gosh. I recently, um, I recently read through, um, a book called Well-Watered Woman by Gretchen Saffles. And it was just so good to remind me mm. of like how important time in the mm. word is. That has been a really helpful book for that. me. So Favorite song right now? Um, I'm digging Taya's latest album. So Getaway okay. off of that album is really good. Or another one for me right now is Endless Praise by Charity Gale. And favorite food? Oh, ice cream for sure. Let's go. Favorite yeah. Bible teacher to listen to? Uh, currently I, or recently I've really been loving Jackie Hill Perry. Like she's just so real and Mm. in a way that like is really refreshing to me. Yeah. Yeah, I've enjoyed her. I love that. Mm -hmm. Favorite podcast? Um, two that I've really enjoyed are Knowing Faith and Risen Motherhood. Mm. And of course this one, I should, I should say Sunny and 65 is the right answer, right? No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) I, I earn everyone that says that. I said, nope, you, that's lying and lying is a sin. So... Something not many people know about you. Oh gosh, um, this is always a fun one. It's I like always to a hear fun one. That I'm never of. quite sure. You know, like I have a lot of odd oddities about me, but um, something that a lot of people are surprised to find out about me is that I played club rugby in college, and I was actually like really good. And so, 
Like I was rough and tumble in college. I played on our club team at UNI. Club rugby. Loved it. Yeah. That's awesome. So like I can teach you all about how to play rugby and how to tackle and all those things. Okay. (laughs) Mad respect. Okay. What are you loving right now? Oh man. Could be literally anything. Oh seriously. Like anything outdoors. And I don't know if that's just because it's starting to become springtime in Iowa again. Like hiking, biking. Um, I'm currently trying to learn how to keep flowers alive. Like I'm really good at killing them and I'm really bad at keeping them alive. So I'm going to like plant a bunch of flowers this year. I have a whole plan for that. And so I'm like, anything that gets me outdoors in the sunshine, like sign me up for that for sure. Amazing. Mm -hmm. How can our friends listening today be praying for you? Um, You know, I think really like my sincere request for prayer is just that I'd be continue uh, just continually obedient to the leading of God and the Holy Spirit in my yeah. life, um, whether that's in my home, my my role as friend or mom or parent or whatever, but yeah. especially in my ministry, um, just that God yeah. would be leading that and that I'd be humble and obedient to what he has for me. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you're listening, could you take just a minute or two to pray for Amy right now? Anything else we didn't talk about that you wanted to touch on? I don't think so, Maddie. We talked about so much and this was so fun for me. And just thank you so much for having me on here. It was such a joy to talk about all these things that I'm passionate about with somebody else who is passionate about Jesus as well. Oh my goodness. So I appreciate that. Oh my goodness, Amy. It was such a treat to have you on and learn so much. I know I'm so refreshed by this episode and I'm praying. And believing that other people will be too. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. What a treat Amy is. I love how she continually just freed us up in so many ways. Praying you left this conversation encouraged. Praying God stirred your heart to dive into and saturate your life with his living and active word. Don't let today go by without filling your mind with a piece of scripture. Even if you pause right now and read two verses... Ponder on those two verses for the rest of the day and watch God change your life through his word. If you were spurred on at all by this episode, would you be willing to leave a rating and review? Would you be willing to share it with your friends and your social media spaces? I would so appreciate it. Friends, go be bold and love big and we will see you next time.